Well, as you can see, we're in the middle of a series in the book of Acts called We Are Witnesses. And I invite you to turn to me today to the book of Acts in chapter 5 as we're continuing on in this unfolding story, which is our story. The story of how God is using his people to be witnesses to his kingdom in impacting the world for Jesus Christ. Today is a message that often gets skipped in the study of the book of Acts. Uh, you probably won't hear this on any TV show or probably see it on any of the more popular preaching events. This is something that's hard to talk about, preaching and persecution. But you need to know that this is such an encouragement, such a blessing, and brings such joy when you understand what these people were experiencing and why that encourages us to go deeper in our own faith. I don't know about you, but I don't want a shallow Christianity. I want something that's real, something that's deep, something that's genuine. And God is living that life out today with people all over the world, including right here in our congregation. And so today, we're going to be looking at how the apostles handled these early threats and how they rejoiced at being able to serve God in this way. Here's the way Luke records it in Acts 5, verse 17. And all of these things come back to the gospel, the very gospel we're remembering today at this table of communion. Here's the way Luke put it in chapter 5, verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in a public jail. But during, <coughs> excuse me, but during the night, <clears throat> an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked, with a guard standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. And then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. 
Some time ago, Theudas appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas, the Galilean, appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is, if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Wow. Father, I have a lot to learn about being a follower of Jesus. And I want to thank you today, God, for these Christians who are no different than we are. They had to rely on you. They had the same concerns. They faced difficult situations. But the thing that encourages our faith today is that they weren't afraid. And there's a reason. And I'm praying today, God, that we, you would make us witnesses that are unafraid. That every day you would put into our, our lives people and opportunities, whether here or near, amongst the nations of the world, wherever we go, that we would boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, unafraid. And we thank you, God, for all the things you'll teach us today through them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Asian Access is a Christian missions agency that serves in South Asia. And I came across an interesting article they had written about people who, when they got saved in this Asian culture, they weren't going to identify the country for security reasons. Uh, the people that came to Jesus in this largely Hindu environment who got publicly baptized had to answer seven questions. They had to answer yes to these questions before they would let them be baptized which these questions indicate what these people were about to face by going public with their faith in Jesus. Here's the questions. Are you willing to leave home and lose the blessing of your father? Are you willing to lose your job? Are you willing to go to the village and those who persecute you, forgive them and share the love of Christ with them? Are you willing to give an offering to the Lord? Are you willing to be beaten rather than deny your faith? Are you willing to go to prison? Are you willing to die for Jesus? These people had to answer yes to each of those questions because those were the realities they were about to face by publicly standing up and being baptized and testifying that they were now witnesses for Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul once wrote to Timothy, not to be surprised when you face opposition for a witness of Jesus. You remember in 2 Timothy 3, verse 10, Paul wrote, you, however, Timothy, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, 
sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, persecution can take many forms, from the mild to the severe. Most of the time for us, it's simply ridicule or rejection or mild retaliation. But in some places, it can be arrest or imprisonment, torture, and death. But the fact is, if you are living faithfully for Jesus and testifying to the good news of salvation in him, you will most likely suffer persecution in some form for that testimony. As these first Christians learned, when that happens, you don't have to be afraid. In fact, you can rejoice that God is using you to glorify his name and to advance his kingdom. You see, that's what the apostles were experiencing as they preached the gospel and encountered persecution. It tells us in verse 17 that the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. The apostles were getting bigger crowds than they were. They arrested the apostles and put them in a public jail, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. You see, the apostles had already endured the ridicule, the threats. They had been arrested once, and they had endured the Sanhedrin sanctions. They endured Satan's attack from within, you remember, through Ananias and Sapphira, as we talked about last week. Now they would face imprisonment and physical beating. But not even these things would diminish their witness or even more remarkably diminish their joy. They learned and taught a great truth that can be an encouragement to all of us who are his witnesses today, that we can preach the gospel without fear, even in the face of persecution. Why is this so? Because people who preach the gospel are speaking for God, the angel told them. And people who persecute them are fighting against God. People who preach the gospel are speaking for God. Luke put it like this in verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles, put them in the public jail, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail, brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. The other day, I was riding in the car with my seven-year-old grandson. I was driving, by the way. I just thought I'd clarify that. Kids are advanced today, but not that advanced. He was holding a pencil sharpener that he got at school that was in the shape of a little cannon, kind of a cool thing. You stick your pencil in the end, you turn it around, sharpens your pencil. And he said to me, Bumpa, are these cannons real? I said, well, that's a replica of a real cannon. He said, well, do they still use these today? I said, well, that one there looks like it was probably from the Civil War. So he said to me, well, what's the Civil War? And I said, well, it was a battle in the United States between the North and the South, between the blue and the gray. And he said, well, who are the, ba- who are the good guys? <laughs> I said, well, um, the North was fighting 
to preserve the Union, and they were fighting to free the slaves, so I suppose you could say they were the good guys. So he said to me, who won, the good guys or the bad guys? And I said, well, the North won. They preserved the Union, and they freed the slaves. So I guess you would call them the good guys. They won. And he says to me, Bumpa, the good guys always win in the end, don't they? And I said, yes, Levi. In the end, the good guys always win. And that's especially true when the good guys are those who stand and speak for God. The apostles were unafraid to preach the gospel because they knew they were speaking for God. You see, they were arrested, put in jail. God sent an angel to unlock the doors and lead them out right past the guards. And the angel told them, go back into the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. So at daybreak, that's just what they did. They went back and did what God had told them to do. They were arrested, put in jail, with the full intent of the Sanhedrin of taking them out. But you see, the issue is that the Sanhedrin still hadn't learned who they were messing with. They thought they were dealing with a group of apostles. They didn't realize the one they're really messing with is God himself. The apostles were only the speakers. So they locked the apostles in jail, and God let them out. And the Sanhedrin meets the next day, calls for the apostles to be brought in, but they're not there. The jail is locked, the guards are at their post, but the apostles are gone. But they weren't hiding. A messenger comes running into the Sanhedrin. Hey, those guys you're looking for, the ones that are missing, they ain't missing. They're over in the temple courts. They're standing up telling everybody about what Jesus has done. So they arrested them again. This time a little more gently because they're afraid the people are going to stone us if we keep doing this. And they brought him in before the Sanhedrin, and the high priest begins to question them again. Verse 27. The apostles were brought in, made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Now watch how Peter and the apostles answer, the same way they always do. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. You're telling us to stop. God keeps telling us to speak. So we ain't stopping. We're going to go back, and we're going to keep telling people about Jesus. And by the way, his message to you is the same. It's the message of the gospel, the good news of salvation. You killed Jesus. You put him on a cross. All of our sins did. 
But God took that salvation and buried it in a tomb and raised him again the third day. The God of our fathers did that. And now he's been exalted to the right hand of God as prince and savior. And he's your savior too. This is why we're not going to stop. So it says in verse 30, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. Look at this. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. They were unafraid because they knew with God they couldn't lose. It's no different for you and me. We are witnesses called to preach the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit to everyone. You remember in Acts 1, verse 8, but you will receive power, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. People, we don't have to be afraid. When we tell others about Jesus, God is with us. He's the one who's speaking. That's why at Golden Hills we boldly proclaim the gospel without apology. Not everybody likes it. People get up and leave when we say that Jesus is the only way to God, that we are sinners in need of a Savior. People don't want to hear that all the time, but some people do. And they hear it and they believe it and they understand and they know they need a Savior and they hear that Jesus is that Savior. This is why we do communion the way we do, why we make it a centerpiece of what we do. Because here the gospel is proclaimed. This bread is his body. This cup is his blood. It's through his sacrifice that we are saved. And this was not a picnic. Jesus suffered to pay for our sins. And when you believe that he died for you and rose again, and you receive him into your life, you too can be saved. It's the same message the apostles gave. That's why he said, they said in verse 32, we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. People who preach the gospel are the good guys who are speaking for God. And the good guys, in the end, always win. And not only are people preaching the gospel speaking for God, but we also need to remember that people who persecute God's witnesses are fighting against God. It says in verse 33, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put him to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theudas appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the, of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Are there any cowboy fans here today? 
They were once America's team. Their numbers are dwindling, I got to tell you. But there's a few die-hard Cowboy fans still around. Right, Lance? There's a bunch of them around. I know you're wearing an A's hat, but you're still a Cowboy fan. Anyway. That's, that's true. I was reading a piece by Steve Brown and a message he gave called The Prime Principle. He was telling about a time when Roger Staubach, one of their Hall of Fame quarterbacks from 69 to 79. The thing about Roger Staubach, he was a rookie at the age of 27. Now, in NFL terms, that's like starting when you're a grandpa. And so they used to ask him, how is it that you go out there every week and keep doing this getting hurt playing professional football at your age. He's probably 28 at the time. And he simply said, if you're not playing hurt, you're not playing football. You know, it's exactly the same way with the Christian faith. If you're not living hurt, you're probably not living the Christian life. If you're not experiencing some degree of injury as a Christian because of your faith, then you are probably not living that faith out in any meaningful way that people can actually see. I'm saying that carefully because I can tell you that if you're living it out and you're being faithful as a witness, not everyone's gonna like it. When I became a Christian, I was all in because I was taught that's the only way there is. So I noticed, first of all, I started losing friends when I started telling them about Jesus. There's some didn't want to hear it. They didn't want anything to do with me. So they cut me off. Some people have labeled me a hater because I'm telling people that the only way to be saved is through Jesus and all the other religions are false. You're a hateful man. I've been offered psychiatric help, which I probably should have taken. <laughs> I've been verbally assaulted. I've been physically threatened more than once. Once, Carla and I went to a wedding over in Pittsburgh. We walked in the room. place was fairly full. There were two seats at a table. I walked over and I said, oh, hi, are those seats available? And the lady looked at me and she said, aren't you the pastor of Golden Hill? I said, Yes, not for you. I said, excuse me? She said, no, you ain't sitting here. Those, those seats are not for you. Okay. So I walked over and, are those seats available? And finally somebody said, yeah, you can sit down. People, I share that only with it to tell you these are mild forms. Threats and verbal assaults and people not wanting you to sit next to them. These are mild things. They're to be expected. But remember, when people reject or revile you because you live or speak for God, don't take it personally. I don't. You see, they're not fighting against me. They're fighting against God. Do you remember when Jesus said at the Last Supper in John 15 to the, to the disciples? John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. 
as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. You see, God reminded the Sanhedrin of this through a well-respected voice of one of their own members, a guy named Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee. Gamaliel had the guys put out of the room, and then he addressed the Sanhedrin. And he said to them in verse 35, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. And he talks about Judas who had a uprising and he got killed and everybody dispersed. And he talked about Judas the Galilean during the census and he led a revolt, he got killed and they all dispersed. And then he says to them, therefore, verse 38, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. So it says in verse 40, his speech, his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged, beaten with a cat of nine tails, the 39 lashes, tore open their back, tore open the back of their legs. And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So what did the apostles do? Verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Did you expect to read that? They just got arrested, just got beaten within an inch of their life. Their backs are flayed open, and they leave rejoicing. Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They rejoiced that they had been counted worthy to suffer for Jesus, and they went right back to preaching and teaching the good news. Because the apostles knew that the Sanhedrin was fighting against God and they could never win. And that they were speaking for God. And so they could never lose. Do you remember the Beatitudes? When Jesus said, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you, and you get down to Matthew 5, verse 10, and you read this and you're thinking, what? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And you read that and you think, blessed when you are persecuted? Now when you read the apostles, you understand what he's talking about. Because you see, that kind of persecution is happening to you not because it's against you, but because people are seeing Jesus in you. And he is the one they're fighting against. This kind of persecution is the confirmation that you are the real deal that Jesus is alive in your life and his glory is being seen, his message is being heard. That's why Jesus went on to say in verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, 
persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, the apostles saw the persecution as proof of how blessed they were to live and speak for God. Peter said the same thing in 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it shouldn't be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. Praise God that you bear that name. Verse 19, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. I remember being called once to a ladies Bible study to clarify a point because there was a teacher there teaching that if you're a good Christian and you're living by faith, you're going to have health and wealth and prosperity and you will never suffer. So I was called in to answer some questions and I said, you know what? In actuality, I don't know where you get that because the Bible is clear that if you follow Jesus, you may not have anywhere to lay your head. The blessings that he gives us are not so much for this life, but they are for the next one. And by the way, if you're living for Jesus and you're not suffering to some degree, you're probably not meaningfully living for Christ in the world to any noticeable means. I was not invited back to the Bible study. (laughs) You see, we may have to fight the battles from time to time and even be wounded, but we're not afraid because we've already won the war. Verse 32, we're witnesses of these things, they said. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. We are witnesses to the good news of salvation in Jesus. That's something we remember every time we come to this table. On Communion Sundays, I get to be a part of this four times. And people have wondered, does it ever get old or does it ever get routine? Never, ever has it ever felt like that. Not once. Every single time I'm reminded of the Jesus who loved me. Every single time I'm reminded of the sacrifice he gave to save me when I didn't deserve it. But he did it because he loved me. He did it because he loves you. He did it because he loves the world. He loves the peoples. He loves the nations. And he wants them to hear of what he's done. He wants them to know what he's offering them. And so he's made us witnesses. And every time I come to communion, when I eat this bread and drink this cup, I'm reminded of what I'm testifying to. And that when I speak, I'm speaking for God who gave his life that people might have this forgiveness. 
And when people revile us a bit for that, is it really that big a deal that they make fun of us or don't give us a place to sit or threaten us with something? Is it really that big a deal? Are we really that afraid that people aren't going to like us? Or are we so in love with Jesus that we're going to say, you know what, you told us to share this, we're going to share it. Because somebody shared it with me and I got saved and I'm going to share it with someone else and they're going to get saved and they're going to join us and we're going to bring you glory and share it with more and more people until all the nations have heard. That's what this is about. That's why we're witnesses. And that's why we come to communion to remember not just the message but the very one for whom we speak. We are his voice today. He's speaking through us. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to all who obey him. Father, I want to thank you for this time today. This is a great, great passage of scripture. It's so encouraging. We don't have to be afraid. Most likely, those, many of those terrible things aren't going to happen to us. But even if they do, you'll give the grace to deal with it. And no matter what, we don't have to be afraid. Because we're speaking for you. You're speaking through us. And the people that fight against that, they're fighting you, not us. So God, you help us today. Let us be encouraged by this, in the example of the early church. And every time we come to communion, let us remember the gracious gift of God and the privilege of being a follower of Jesus. And we thank you for this time today in Jesus' name. Amen.